1: 755 is real with david o'brien and eric o'flaherty is on the air now
2: hello and welcome into an all-new 755 is real a coast-to-coast edition of the podcast eric o'flaherty in hawaii soaking up the rays on vacation and david in our nation's capital reporting on the Braves and Nationals game tonight on Tuesday and also giving some great insights into Atlanta's trip to the White House as they were honored for their 2021 World Series title. If you weren't able to join the live room today but want to be notified when we do host them, make sure you're following David and Eric on Twitter at D O'Brien ATL and at EOF34. Also make sure you're following the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast player of choice. And as always, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, where we post the video shows of the podcast. In today's episode, David and Eric reacting to a Bryce Elder gem. The guys share their insight into Elder's spectacular, complete game performance and also compare his maturation to another Braves pitcher. In addition, David providing some awesome nuggets into Atlanta's trip to the White House and also answering your burning Braves questions in the live room. A biggie today was who you got for the NL East Crown. Is it going to be the Braves or the Mets? David and Eric give their hopefully final predictions as to who will win the division crown. As always, and I do say it for every introduction for the live room podcast, but I always mean it. Without you guys, none of this is possible. Thank you so much for your support. Without further ado, here's David and Eric.
1: What's up, Eric, man? Is you uh I know you're out in Hawaii. So, did you get a chance to see the game last night?
2: I I saw the highlights.
3: I'm Very telling impressive. you what, man.
1: Bryce Elder has made as much improvement within one season as <laughs> as Kyle Wright did last year. So those those guys at Triple A, man, those uh, pitching coaches and roving instructors they have there deserve a raise because my God, these guys are coming back. Just with exponential improvement, Bryce Elder just looked phenomenal last night. I heard both, both uh, Birdie, Paul Bird, and then Dan Plisak this morning on MLB Network. Because I would never made this comparison as a non-pitcher, non-former major leaguer, but when I'm watching him, I'm thinking poor man's Maddox. And those guys said they reminded him, he reminded them of Maddox last night because of the movement he was getting.
3: Yeah. I, he reminded me of like the, the, the depth, you know, side to side movement, but also the yeah. depth on a sinker of Derek Lowe in his prime. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's doing it and he's doing it last night, you know, with Maddox kind of velocity in an age where nobody's throwing 90 anymore topping out at 92. That's what he was doing, but he was throwing sinkers. I mean, like, uh, like Matt Olson said, the ninth inning, he comes out, he's got 96 pitches and, and, and uh, to his credit, Snip sends him back out because he's just cruising, sends him back yeah. out 96 yeah. pitches. And he goes through those guys in order in the ninth and 10 pitches. He got a, sh- a strikeout looking at a sinker strikeout, another strikeout looking at a sinker on, uh on uh voigt and uh Manessas, who's I think it was Manessas who's been playing great. Manessas, that yeah. rookie or that old rookie has been playing great. And then, and then a ground out on the first pitch sinker, and like Matt Olson said, he was backdoor sinkering guys, and that was Maddox type movement there.
3: Yeah, it's it's something you know. I mean, that's that's the benefit of not being a max effort guy. And you know, I get uh-huh. I get a little tired of the the narrative that everybody's just throwing as hard as they can because in general, guys are just really good athletes now, and they're able to throw ninety five, ninety six for. You know, five or six innings, but throwing ninety—I mean, it's—it takes way less of a toll on your body. And if you can dot up a pitch with that much movement, you're able to throw a complete game like that and and get outs early in the count. Like he yeah. can be aggressive in the zone with that pitch. Um, I mean, i, I went yeah. through a phase in my career where I could just throw sinkers right down the middle because it was moving so much. Yeah, um, I think it was hard on my arm. Some of the mechanical changes I made to chase that movement. But it was crazy, you know. I mean, I could I could come into a game and you'd be in a 1-2 or 2-1 or a fastball count and you felt comfortable throwing your fastball and you want him to hit your fastball. You want him to swing. And when you can pitch like that and attack in the zone, you get to have a start like he had last night.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he was talking about. I asked him, what was the biggest thing you learned in AAA? What lesson would you say? Why are you so much better now? What did you come back with? And he said, to do what I can do, be myself and not try to yep. do what I can't do, not overthrow and not be this stuff. And of course it helps when you got a damn good defense behind you. And last night, I mean, people that, that people that, that poo poo Riley, because they look at, they don't watch the games as much as they look at his underlying defensive metrics, which say he's not a good third baseman. If you watch the game last night, he made a couple of plays that were outstanding and one in particular saved the hit. He, he throws it from foul territory, and Olsen made a great scoop on that play. But yeah. uh, they were making some great plays behind him, and there was a line drive that gets in for a hit against a lot of center fielders that that Harris made just look routine coming in. But, I mean, you know, he knows what he's got behind him, and he's letting guys put it in play and not trying to strike out everybody. I think he only had four strikeouts till the ninth inning when he struck out those two guys, but he only had one walk. And that's what got him in trouble early in the season. Got him demoted to AAA. He had a couple of games where he had five walks.
3: Well, I think when you first get called up, there's there's a fear that these guys are so much better than the hitters in AAA, and in general they are. But it's it's generally it's their approach. You know, it's not like yeah a nasty pitch in AAA is a nasty pitch in the big leagues. You know, something that's well placed is going to get out. But guys come up and you know you see Albert Pujols in the box in his prime, and you think your fastball has to be better all of a sudden. Right. So you either nibble or overthrow it, and then you wind up, you know, right down the middle. But that's one of the biggest lessons um guys have to learn is pitch into contact, not trying to strike guys out, not trying to do too much or be better than you are. And when you have the type of movement he has and you can just be confident in it, and that that's the key is just the confidence to kind of lay it in there and, and, and trust your stuff and believe that this pitch is just as good and it's been getting out some triple A. And yeah, a lot of guys struggle with that battle. But, you know, for him, I think coming up and having a couple of good spot starts, he's just going to build that confidence and realize I can pitch in this yeah. league. And and that's when it all comes together as a start like like last night. And I know it's you know, it's the Nationals, but those pitches he was throwing last night are good against any hitter. You might face a yeah. team like the Dodgers who can, you know, those teams that have kind of a team approach where you feel like it's a repetitive, like the same at bat happening over and over. Right. Um a lot of the younger teams, it feels like just random approaches where one guy's swinging first pitch, the next guy tries to work the count um but it's still those pitches he was throwing last night, no righty or no lefty can pull a trigger on a fastball that starts at his front hip and comes right back over the inside corner like it's just yeah. an impossible pitch for them to hit, and the key is just trusting it and throwing it just like you did in triple a and for me those those first couple starts he had. Uh, spot starts where he came up and did pretty well, helped him build that confidence, and it all just came together last night.
1: Yeah, I think they were really smart too, the Braves for using him like they did in a couple of yep. teams that he could pitch like that against. Trust the stuff, which is what they taught him down in AAA this year, and, and they brought him up and they had him face those teams rather than throwing him in there against you know the, the, the Dodgers. Dodgers or the Mets. <laughs>
3: yeah. And get, well, I think you teams know, should put more thought into that. I think it is smart. You know, I mean, you see guys a lot of times and like yeah. Michael Harris first game is against Contra, <laughs> you know, Right right. Like stuff like that happens and if if you're a guy that doesn't have isn't prone to just being confident no matter what like you know Mike probably is you could just come up and feel overwhelmed immediately but you get those spot starts against a couple teams and just kind of hit the ground running instead of running into a wall it yeah. sets you up to have starts like this
1: especially if you've had failure, you know, if you got demoted yep. early in the year, the last thing you need is to come up here and get your dick knocked off again. So, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but he, you know, and, and he's made four starts, one in August, two, three in September. And the guy's given up two runs. He's got an ERA, yeah. like Oh six something. I mean, yeah. he's been phenomenal. So good that, I mean, and I know they're all four against the Marlins and the nationals, but he's been so good that he gives them depth now. And, I, and I still think Strider is going to be ready for the postseason. I think it was still more precautionary; they did not want to risk him. What was, you know, a pretty minor strain, but enough that you couldn't risk him getting worse. Because then he's definitely out for the postseason. But I think he's going to be ready. But just in case he's not, this guy now gives you a legit option that you don't have to go to Oderisi if you need a third starter. You know, or, 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 or you know, you don't have to. You don't have to use. Uh, or if you need a fourth starter or a piggyback or whatever, you don't have to go you to need a long game, guy. Or you don't have to go to a, pin, a bullpen game like you did last year where you started Dylan Lee in the World Series. Now you've got another guy that's going to give you such depth. And when they added uh, Kyle Wright to that, to the World Series roster last year, I think they add him to the postseason roster from the get go this year. And he's that long guy or that spot starter. So really yeah. shapes up that, to be in a lot better position than they were in. And not only that, but looking forward, you can start to see where you could definitely start to pencil on him in for the rotation next year. I mean, he's just made leaps and bounds.
3: And, and this is oh, how you he know how huge that too. start is last night for your bullpen?
1: Oh, my God. And they were – it was perfect timing. Snit was saying literally an hour, about two hours before the game, how they – I said, what about your bullpen? He goes, right, it's pretty thin right now. He goes – and he didn't yep. want to name the guys. But there were multiple guys that were unavailable last night. So they were really going to be stretched. And what happens? He goes out and throws an entire uh, throws the first complete game of the year in 106 pitches. I mean, that was just a godsend as far as uh bullpen is concerned, as well.
3: Yeah, that was a throwback start. I mean, you just yeah. you don't you don't see those anymore. But it's it's. I think that's something that's kind of missing from the game is those. It is a starter going seven, eight, nine, and it, when you're in the bullpen and that happens, and you just you everybody gets a day off. Now they go into the day. And instead yeah. of having two guys that have pitched two out of three and Snit has to piece the game together. Yeah. The whole, you got, you got seven, eight guys that are 100% fresh and ready to go.
1: Which is perfect. Cause you got Kyle Muller going tonight and he might come out and throw yep. six great innings, but he also might come out and walk three guys in the second inning and get the early hook.
3: Yeah. And you can give him the early hook. You know, you can yeah. play to win today because of what the guy did yesterday.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just a tremendous start. And, uh, And you talk, we talk about having guys in the rotation who all have a different look and what that does to opposing teams. He's yet another guy that has a completely different look than the guys that are in this, this rotation. I mean, he really does. He's more like a Kyle Wright, but if you take five, six miles an hour off, off of everything, but, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's something, man. He's something that he's very interesting for sure.
0: Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors.
1: The Braves ended you know, were exhausted after playing six and a half hours in Philly on on Sunday in that rain delayed eleven inning game. They take a train here, get here about midnight. They got up in the morning because they had you know invited to the White House, so they get up and go. And uh, you know the guys are going, are thinking, "No, this is gonna be fun." But I wish we could have done this in the spring. And Snit had set it off the record too. They wish you could have done it in spring or in the summer instead of now. But they weren't going to pass this opportunity up. No. And they go to the White House, man. And every one of those guys I talked to had the, they had a blast. They loved it. They were blown away by how cool it was and just how first class everything was and just fascinated by everything that goes on behind the scenes. And they got, you know, they got tour guides, you know, staff members telling them everything and giving giving them tours of the Oval Office and places that normally nobody gets to go. And and somebody asked, I think McGurk asked, uh, you know, and 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 Biden made it happen. He told those guys, yeah, let them see everything. They, and they got to see everything, man. And they, they just had a great time.
3: Yeah, that's something that you know, it's, if the timing's bad, you can just look at it like this is a once-in-opportunity-lifetime. You know, you can go back when you're retired or whatever and go to the White House, but you're not getting that tour under exactly. any circumstance. You Ever. know, I mean? it's like one of those you got to know somebody and have yep. some kind of connection to see a lot of the stuff they get to see. So I would have definitely been on that bus.
1: And it was cool because guys that it was, you know, it was, it was voluntary. I mean, they didn't, they didn't force anybody to go, but almost every single guy went, including guys that weren't on last year's team. Like the rookies were in the front, man. They were down there just watching. <laughs> it was so cool to see Harris, Grissom. And there you go. Right. Starting last night, he he asked if he could go. Elder asked if he could go, even though he was starting last night. And they said, yeah, man, if you want to go, go. And he went. And he was so glad he went because he was just, like, so impressed by all the history and everything that they were talking about, you know. Uh, So that was cool for him to start the day in the morning going there and to finish it throwing a a complete game shutout. The first by a Braves rookie since 1990, 32 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, considering some of the rookies they've had, that's pretty impressive.
3: I like seeing a couple of pictures of you and Bowman suited up.
1: <laughs> it was fun, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to lie. It was I had a great time. I took a 5 a.m. train here to get here and get here in time. I had to rework everything. And uh it was so much fun. I mean, we didn't even get the back tour behind the scenes, but I it was great just just being in the White House and seeing all that stuff up up close them playing hell to the chief you know when he came in and and then uh having him McGurk him and McGurk talking about last year and about Hank Aaron it was really cool it was just really well done the whole thing was really cool
3: yeah that's one of those things that you just you know trust me you're tired and it's it's off your sleep schedule you get in late and you I think that you know it pops in your head I wish this was at a different time but you just know like this opportunity with this yep. type of tour and, and this type of treatment at the White House is probably something I'm never going to encounter again in my exactly. life exactly and, and you're yeah. done playing and it's like you you don't get these type of things so I would always tell guys like hey if you got a shot, do it
1: yeah most players never get a chance I mean your team has to win it for one thing. And then it has to work, you know, where you got a chance to go the next year. You never know what's going to happen. The pandemic yep. happened, other things. A lot of teams have not had the opportunity. The Nationals never got to go. And they and they play here in the city, and they never got to go on that tour. Because
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of so the you pandemic gotta, so You can't take uh, that for granted.
1: And uh McHugh had gone with the uh, Astros when they won it. And he wasn't even on last year's team and he said hell no i'm not gonna miss the opportunity so he went again yesterday and sat out in the crowd so the guys that weren't on last year's team they didn't stand on the risers behind the president and uh, up there with uh, you know all the other players and the staff members and the coaches and all that they sat in, in in some rows of chairs and you know with the crowd in front of us and uh but McHugh said no way i was gonna miss it again you know and he got the tour and all that he just loved it so it was very cool it was a great day and such a cool day for the Braves to end like it did. I mean, that would have had, wouldn't have had the great, the, as good a feel to it if they'd have gone out and you know got blasted last night in the first game. So that it was just kind of a cool all around game for those guys, all around day for those guys.
3: Pretty sweet timing though to celebrate a World Series and kind of just you know get a reminder of what you did last year. Heading exactly. Into, heading into yeah. the same ride.
1: Yeah, in that respect, I mean, you know, they talked about how you know was so wrapped up in now trying to win another one, or, you know, win the division. You got the Mets series looming. So in one respect, you know, you're like, the last thing we need to do is, you know, get off uh, focus and all that. But the way it worked out, you know, they're kind of reminded of how great last year was. So instead, you know, I think it was kind of some motivation for guys. It's like, hey, let's let's try to do this again, man. This is pretty cool.
3: And all the guys that weren't on the team last year, like Olsen, are like, you know, I want to stand up. I want to do this again. And I want to be standing up there with the guys that want it.
1: And then Olson last night had his first really good game in a while too. By the way, he had a home run and a line drive sack fly, three RBIs, which was one more RBI than he had his previous 17 games. So maybe that's he finally
3: kept one of those home runs fair, <laughs> you know, but barely. He a the foul yeah. pole, but
1: yeah, he had some really good at bats. So maybe he's getting the feel back. Uh, but uh, that that would be really big because they they've got to have him do something if they're going if they're going to go deep in the postseason
3: yeah i think that's another one of those things that's you know puts snit you got to give them credit for for not yeah nothing nothing messes with your head as a player like every time you don't perform you know you're in a different spot in the lineup or, or as a relief pitcher you you have a bad game and the and your situation comes up the next day and your manager's scared to use you uh, yeah. yeah i mean we we talked about that's what that's what Snit learned from Bobby and, and Kelly Johnson came on yep. and talked about how much it meant for him when he came up. But I, I give Snick credit because it's it has to have popped in his head of you know, when Olson's struggling like that, you know, put him somewhere else in the lineup. But the message it sends can be kind of dangerous to a guy's confidence and yep. just be ideal if he just locks in and, and figures it out and gets hot for the postseason.
1: Yeah, and Arcia, by the way, had his has homered in four straight games at Nats Park. How weird is that? Because Dansby had a five homer streak here that he ended earlier in the year. Those are the two longest here ever by a visiting player.
3: Some guys, some stadiums, you know, you yeah. can see the the mounds are like that. Some guys hate certain mounds, and some guys yeah. hate certain backdrops. But they get into certain stadiums, and the ball just looks like a beach ball.
1: I was just looking at. Uh, the, the questions that have popped up. Some, uh, somebody, Richard M. asked, are there any history buffs, enthusiasts on the team, and how they take to the White House? Remind me something Snit said afterwards. Uh, he was so uh, blown away by all the history that they were telling him about, you know, that's happened in the White House and the and the the presidential portraits and all that, and uh, why, like, uh, Biden has a certain picture over the mantle right now, and it's called that. President inherited a, a bad economy, like he did, and all this kind of thing. And and Snit said, if I if I'd have had to do this tour, you know, when I was a kid, I would have probably been a lot more interested in history. I'd have probably done well in those classes because he said it was just uh, <laughs> to see it like that gives you such a d- different perspective. And and Austin Riley was uh he was like he said I'm always fascinated by like you know security and behind the scenes and military and all that. He said yeah, he
3: said that's what I like.
1: The- AI. He said watching the Secret Service do their thing was really cool. You know, to see how precision everything was and and how secure the place was. And I go, Did "You feel safe here?" And he goes, "Very." He goes, "I was tapping <laughs> on those windows. I'm like, nothing's getting through those."
3: <laughs> yeah, that's cool.
1: So anyway, it was a fun day. And being inside there was uh just man. I mean, j- dude, they kind of screwed up our credentialing. We didn't. They didn't send us a form that we were supposed to fill out that, that uh, for vetting. And I'm telling you. They knew exactly who we were. We covered the team and all this. And we barely got in there before they started it. We had to go through, jump through so many hoops trying to get in. I mean, they, the security there is serious.
3: Yeah. It's the white house.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the secret service couldn't give a shit about what the, uh, what the, uh, PR people at the white house were doing our communications. I mean, they have their things that are like, you're not in yeah. the system. You're not getting in. I mean, you know, secret <laughs> service, man, they, 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 they do not smile. They do not joke around. <laughs> no, <Nah.
3: laughs> yeah, it's a serious job.
1: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right, let's take some questions.
3: Julian C. What's up, Julian? Hey,
1: guys, how are you all doing today?
3: Good.
2: What's going on? Doing a, well, I'm, I'm the one that's recovering from hip surgery, so I really appreciate the content today, today guys. Um, oh, you got it. Quick sure no good. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, brand new hip, me and Bo Jackson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: Man, I watch uh, Sights are walking through the dugout and up the stairs. I'm like, I don't ever want to have any hip problems,
2: man. That's no, brutal. No. <laughs> I guess better than the shoulder. Um, so two quick, two quick things. One, I'm curious if there have been any, any updates on Dansby's contract. I know there was a big sort of push about a month ago and then zip, and that's usually when AA is active. And then two, have there been any discussions or announcements about what might happen if the hurricane makes it to Atlanta this weekend for the Met Series? Thank you.
1: No and no. Um, Dansby's not talking, and you know, obviously the Braves are never talking about contracts. But what I understand, at least as of a few days ago, there's nothing going on as far as talks, which kind of surprises me, but shouldn't, because this is exactly what happened with Freddie. And you know, then they made that late push. So who knows? I mean, it could happen quickly if they make the contract that's you know it's a fair offer and all that. It could happen quickly. So I so I'm not gonna ever say, I'm not gonna say uh, never say never that kind of thing, but. Uh, um, right now, I think they're just focused on the task at hand. But uh, I, I, I have not heard anything going on as far as Dansby and, uh, and, and an extension. As for the, as for the hurricane, no, I haven't heard anything yet, and that doesn't surprise me because you know how these things could change, man. I mean, it's barreling towards Florida, but and. But, but I mean there's a good chance we don't see anything there's a good chance it arrives late I mean these these things can just veer and change so drastically so I haven't heard anything as far as alternate plan but certainly they're they're working on it because they got to get the series in but it's not really an easy alternate plan if you think about it you say like neutral site well what's a neutral site right um, I don't know where where somebody's not playing and yeah and again, my neighbor's a Mets fan. Fight. The Braves would fight having to play those games in New York, you know, in front right. of a New York in the New York crowd.
2: Yeah. So, I, and my neighbor's a Mets fan and he keeps talking
1: about
3: Texas. And I'm like, no, 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 man. We're not, we're not going to yeah, Texas. Fly all the way down there. No.
1: I mean, if they had to, they could go do something like that. I mean, if they had to, but they would certainly try to get him in first. I know one thing they could do is cause it's not supposed to hit till Saturday morning. If it hits Atlanta, it's not supposed to be till like Saturday or Sunday. They could definitely play a doubleheader Friday, and I think they should schedule a doubleheader Friday. Could they go early on Thursday? I mean, it's an off day for both teams. Yep they they you know it, they should get creative and do that because there's a good chance they're not going to play at least Sunday. And I was looking at the same thing. I mean, you, yeah, it's not ideal. You got a night game here tomorrow night, but there's no reason they should not play a game Thursday night and then the doubleheader Friday. And just to be careful about this because it's not supposed to hit until Saturday and there's no reason they wouldn't be able to play a doubleheader uh, Friday. If you schedule them like one and four o'clock. Right.
2: But cool. We're looking forward to it. Thanks guys. All right.
1: Yep. Yeah. I was looking at that today. I'm thinking, man, if they don't play Thursday, if they don't try to shuffle this thing and they, end, cause they're going to end up having to go a lot more inconvenience than playing a game on an off day and playing a playing doubleheader Friday. Cause if they have to, both teams have to fly to some neutral site, that's, that's a hell of a lot more inconvenient than playing on an off day.
3: Boy, and it's high stakes. You know, it's not a series you can just say, oh, we didn't." Let's not worry about that. You know, because right. one team's in and one team's out. It's deciding the division.
1: Right, and the way they condensed
3: the postseason this year, there's only there's one no time. day.
1: One yep. day between the end of the season and the wild card. That's why they eliminated the uh, tiebreakers
3: because you know the tiebreaker games. Well, so you'd have to play. be fighting for that if you're if you're either team that could play in that wild card. If you had to play a doubleheader on that one day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's you... not
1: feasible. I mean, um, you know, there is no tiebreaker game, so you only have one day to make this thing up. And I mean, if the Braves and Mets had to do it, they'd have to do it. They'd have to play on that one off day, which and then and then the other the losing team starts to walk our series the next day.
3: Yeah, I'd push I'd push for it, you know, if I was if I had any say in the situation as a player, I'd want to get thursday get the games in and yeah, yeah. i mean thursday, you're, you're getting friday, an off day lie. either way especially if there's if you do that you know you're you're getting saturday sunday one of those days you're going to get your off day so you're not losing yeah. an off day you're just moving it
1: yeah you, you if you could get them in thursday and friday you're looking at an off, you're getting weekend, two. off
3: yeah. weekend which would which be never, nice you've so. never in the baseball season you never get a saturday or sunday off
1: yeah yeah <laughs> exactly just spend you with both. your
3: family those days are not days off ever
1: and, and you'd be able to spend them, the guys that live in Atlanta with their families and all that, you'd be able to spend them with your family, which is what you want to do if there's a storm hitting Saturday, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, the, anyway,
3: they might have to do that.
1: We'll see. I would expect to hear something pretty soon about some kind of alternate plan as it moves closer. But like I said, right now, we know how these storms can change, man. The past can change, and it can happen pretty quick. So uh, they're not going to. I, they're not going to go too soon on it, but uh, you know, if they plan on playing Thursday, they got to do that pretty quick, obviously.
3: Yeah, you got to start coming up with a plan. Yep. Uh, yep. Luke, Luke F. Hey, sorry about that. Y'all hear me? Yeah, we yep. got you. Okay, right, so who do you think the odd man out of the postseason roster is? Is um, I know last year Rich Rod was left out of the uh, of the roster. Do you think it's like Adrianza? Do you think it's a shot of Zuna doesn't make the roster? Like, who do you think there's probably going to be like what two or three odd men out? That are stuck watching the playoffs. Who do you think that's going to be?
1: That's- uh, Ozuna, I think Ozuna is a good bet because he doesn't play multiple positions. Um, I think Odorizzi is a good bet because of, uh, because Elder has looked yeah. so good that Elder gives you more. And, and, Elder can, can obviously be the long guy too if you need it. Right now, I mean, I, I don't see any reason how, why Odorizzi would be on the pitching staff ahead of, say, Elder. Um, that's too, uh, I'm trying to think of other other guys. What, what are we at twenty eight right now? So there's a couple right there. Um, Adrian's the only thing you know he gives you is uh, is uh, multiple positions. Uh, Arcia uh, gives you multiple positions, so you got a you know you got your multi position guy there. Um, it's going to be interesting. That the, the obvious one that's interesting is Ozuna. Would they do it? You know, with a guy that's under contract for two more years and all that? Yeah, I think they would. I, if anything. Alex has shown these last few years that he will make those difficult postseason roster decisions um, and not be not not be concerned about hurting feelings. I mean, he's done it multiple times over the last few years, beginning with that series that if you remember that series against the Dodgers that they lost the first year where they surprised everybody in the the, uh, and made the postseason. And they wanted to have power arms against the Dodgers who, you know, could destroy you know, uh, breaking balls and that, and, and they, so they wanted power arms. So they stuck a couple of young starting pitchers in the bullpen as power arms rather than go with some of the guys, some of the older guys they had. So, I mean, he has, he has, he has shown he will do it. Um, and, and, and so I, I wouldn't think that he would worry about, you know, hurting any feelings or anything
3: like that. Do you think Ozuna putting him in the roster though that? Like up is, I know they're talking about trading or that's a possibility no. of trading. If they put him on the roster to the uppest trade value, you don't. I mean, I wouldn't think that they would play him I don't think a few games right in the playoffs can really change much of, of his situation, whether they're they're good or bad. You know, I mean, he's had the performance he's had this season. Um, I mean, you and you don't, you know, to make an offseason trade or unload a contract versus win a World Series, you just put the best possible roster out there.
1: Yeah, they ain't worried about it. that. That will not play into it. His future as far as trade value or anything like that, 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 that's not going to play into it.
3: Gotcha. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show.
0: Michael, I mean Adrian's and
1: Arcia; those are the kind you want. You want multi-position guys in the postseason when your roster is so limited. You know.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, and it, that, you, we don't have anybody that wants to come up on stage. It looks like. Uh, you,
1: but Ozone, you know, if he if he has a couple more big games, I mean, he could he could definitely yeah. affect their thinking. I mean, yeah, obviously he's a guy that can run into one and hit one out yeah. at any time. I mean, and he blistered a ball last night, so. I mean, we'll see. It's, it's still early. Relatively, you got nine games left.
3: Guys definitely do get their feelings hurt, you know, especially guys under contract or with a lot of time or, or an ego. Yeah. But you just have to have that tough conversation, you know, and, and it's definitely a tough one. I'm sure there's a lot of guys that loves that he's had to think about it with. But you just I mean, we got a bigger goal here than your feelings. Mm-hmm.
1: Michael, yeah, what's up? I mean, it, the fact that he keeps playing, and though as a as DH, says something too. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean,
3: well, they know playing. he can do.
1: Yeah, well, they know he can do. And so, if he gets hot between now and then, I yeah, I would expect him to make a roster. I mean, he because he can hit one out, and and you do have yep. two multiple position guys. So, you know, one of those guys could definitely not make it. RC will make it. Adrian's agree. maybe, maybe not.
3: Uh, what's up michael you there hey guys thanks for doing this um I got a question about um, when they talk about contract extensions or free agent contracts, did they ever look at front-loading? Because I feel like they're just making money hand over fist right now, and maybe in the next few years they might not be. So does it make more sense to give Dansby a lot of money in the first couple of years and have it you know, go down over the years from the team perspective? Is that something they look at? And obviously players, they want to have it going long-term. But just curious about that. Thanks.
1: Well, I mean, it's different from team to team. And the Braves have all of these projections going on that behind the scenes on what they think. I mean, they know so much more about this than they, than they reveal publicly about what their economic projections are going forward. And the battery just complicates everything because they've got phase. they got another phase of development in the battery coming where. They, they're going to make, they plan on making a whole lot more money. They're going to build a couple of sky, uh, not skyscrapers, but like 20, 15, 20 story buildings in the next few years at the battery, another high end uh, hotel and apartment building. So they're planning on this continuing to make more and more money. They don't think that they've, they, they've reached any kind of a plateau yet. And, um, so if their economic projections say that they're going to make more money, a lot more money in the future. Then, no, I would not expect them to front load contracts, even if like in the case of Ozuna, maybe it hurts you. Then they backloaded his. But, um, you know, I, I, Alex more commonly as them kind of even spread over the over the length of it or it's a bump up by a little bit, but not a lot. If you look at those big contracts he handed out, they all they all peak at about. You know, 17 million in Acuna's case, 22 million in the case of Riley and Olson, and then they go for quite a few years at that level rather than go up dramatically. So they're pretty uh, fiscally responsible when it comes to that. They don't have a lot of long-term outlay, and um, so I, I would I, I, I would just expect that they that they're looking at the future and what they've got, what they think they're going to be making, and they'll make and they'll base those contracts accordingly.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I don't have too much insight into that side of it and the financial thinking, but they're printing money.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they plan on making a lot more spent. too going forward. Yeah. They plan on making yeah. a lot
3: more. Uh, what's up, Tyler? You there?
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up? Uh, I was kind of wondering how closely, if at all, the players and coaches, respectively, keep up with the Mets score to some extent during the game, but especially you know afterwards, are they locked in on seeing how yes. the Mets do or is, <laughs> yeah, absolutely? Absolutely.
3: I, you know, I think there's a lot of guys that say they're, you know, they're not scoreboard watching, and I think everybody kind of has a different mindset about it. And you don't want to be too wrapped up in it because you can only control what you can control, and that's winning today. But it, it's on the damn. I mean, it's you. You look in the left field at Philly. There's just there's a scoreboard right there. I mean, you're gonna look at it during the game and see what's going yeah. on. and uh, it's I don't on know the television. It, it doesn't necessarily put more pressure on you, like, oh shit, the Mets won. Now I got to pitch better. But if you see them lose, you know, I mean, you you know, you got to put this one away, and and you, you, the opportunities there. Um, they're they're aware of every game, and you know, they probably you're not in April, May, June, July as much, but you get to September and your game back. You you know what the Mets are doing every day. And they've
1: got some nights we go in the clubhouse, and the, and the damn game's on the TV if they're playing on the West Coast or whatever. Their their game's not over yet. I mean, and some guys, you know. They're unabashed. They'll, they'll be. They'll cheer out loud.
3: Oh know, yeah, that's fun.
1: Yeah, they don't care if we know they're doing it. You know, they're not. They're not trying to. They're smart. They know we're, they, we. They, They know that we know that they're paying attention to what the Mets are doing. I mean, you can do both, what you've got to do, and also check on what the other team is doing at the same time. You know.
3: Yeah, you can be wrapped up in it but not let it affect, you know, your day to day and how you play and everything. But there's you want to talk about team morale. If you get a big win and come in the clubhouse and the other games wrapping up and you get to watch the team you're chasing blow yeah. up. Yeah. I mean that's fun. You know, you don't get a chance to root much as a player and you get to sit there and root for the Marlins to make a comeback or something like that and it happens and yeah. guys have had a beer or two in them and you're just getting loud. Like that's that stuff's fun. Like that especially when the win's already in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. We hear some interesting, some funny
1: comments sometimes. Watch. Oh, yeah. Watching guys <laughs> cheer them against uh, certain teams after, after yeah, they're done playing and sitting back.
3: That's a team building uh, activity for sure. Gordon W. Hey, couple
1: guys. more W. A couple more here. Couple more, hey, here um, couple more
3: here.
0: Oh, you can hear yeah. me okay, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, I'm a lifelong baseball card collector and I just had a, a question on uh Eric if if you or any of your teammates were ever into that or or Dave, any any of the, the press guys and just curious how if uh if that was a thing behind the scenes. Uh, Is it a baseball like card it collector. It's coming back. Yeah. Not and not like it used to be as far as uh yeah, it's coming back ahead. There was a boon. If you remember, there were card stores everywhere and then they all closed. <laughs> and now you see yep. there's smaller ones that have opened and they're doing well, but that you don't see in the stores everywhere like you used to. But I mean, as a kid, we uh, we all me and all my friends did it, but this is a long time ago. But we had just boxes and boxes of cards, and I I was talking to Bowman yesterday, I was like, Man, you know, I'm like most guys. My I left those in my mom's house, and they they probably ended up in the yep. attic or the basement, and eventually they just gave that stuff away or sold it at a yard sale. But I'm telling you, as a kid, I guarantee you, I had cards Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente. That yeah. <laughs> that would be worth a ton now. That somebody probably got for a dollar for a box of them. I mean, yeah, because I bought I spent my allowance buying those cards. You know, with the with the terrible gum in them. I mean, we had so many cards. We'd like put them in the spokes of our bicycle with a with a clothespin, so it made the sound when you're riding them.
3: Yeah, I had. I, I couldn't wait for the new Beckett to come out when I was a kid. I had basketball, baseball, everything. Yeah, but
1: football, basketball, baseball, all the cards,
3: man. The dumbest thing I, one of my dumbest things I ever did was I had, I was huge into Michael Jordan cards, Upper Deck stuff like that when I was a kid, and Grant Hill came out of Duke and. I went to a card shop and traded all my Jordan stuff for Grant Hill. Cause I thought he was going to be the next Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I look back like I probably gave 20 grand away. Cause I had some cards that were worth like 1500 back then. Wow. Yep. That was wow. a, that was a mistake. But I, I think my dad has uh, maybe five boxes that are just, you know, cardboard boxes that are just full of cards. I mean, I want to go back and go through them and see what's in there. Cause That's one of those things where you just discover a treasure. My buddy found a Jeter card that, you know, it was like just a hair off on symmetry, yeah. Versus being worth like twenty grand or fifteen grand or something like that, and it wound up being worth eight hundred bucks. But it'd be a fun thing to dig through those boxes again. I'm glad my dad still has them.
1: Yeah, I know. There's some guys that uh, that do it a lot more than others. In the media, I don't know many, but Grant. uh, If you guys follow Grant on Twitter, he Grant's a big card guy. I know he he is. He opens boxes on on videos, you know, that, or opens packs of cards on videos and that kind of thing. So there are, well, yeah, there are people that do it for sure.
3: Yeah, I have. I mean, i I collected all of mine too, but it's too bad because my son's getting really into it. And I mean, they just love opening the pack and looking at the pictures. They could have, they could think, you know, they they'd be happier with a with random player card than a Mike Trout because yeah. they don't know who they are. They just love going through them. But I think it'd be really cool if my kid was flipping through the the pack and found one of mine but they're not in circulation anymore <laughs> every once in a while people send them to the house i don't know how they get our address like, i have a p.o box that i've had nothing but bank bills sent to and i'll get some letter from new york some guy wanting me to sign a you know wisconsin timber rattlers card for him but well, i just give them the, it's weird i just give those straight to my kids i'm like this this is pretty i don't know how you found me but <laughs> i'm not going to encourage this. <laughs> it's Jeremy, P. Jeremy P. Let's see if Jeremy's there. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Yes. Sorry guy. Sorry to the other two, but I'm glad to get on. Um all right, a week left in the season. Uh Braves are a game back. What's your guys' prediction on who wins the Eastern Division in a week? You're asking us <laughs> who's gonna win? Who's gonna win, Mets or Braves?
1: Man, I'm, I'm saying. Man. saying. I, 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 thought, I feel a lot better about the Braves' chances maybe than I did a couple of days ago in Philly. Before When they lost the first two games in Philly, I thought, this is over. And I thought they made moves where they weren't waving a white flag, but that they, weren't, that, that they were thinking Strider, about Braves Yeah, When they put Strider on the IL, uh, you know, to be careful with him. When they had Acuna out of line up a couple more days to make sure he's 100 percent, I thought they were t- starting to think, all right, it's starting to look like wild card. We're going to make sure we at 100 percent when the postseason comes. But I think winning those last two games in Philly and then obviously winning last night, I think they're in a better position right now. They're still, though, a game behind. And if you think about it, they are, in effect, two games behind because the Mets have a 9-7 advantage right now over the Braves. And that's the tiebreaker is head to head. So the Mets only need to win one game in that three-game series. And if the two teams end up in a tie, the Mets win the division. So they are, in effect, two games ahead still. And they play equally bad teams the rest of the way. Mets actually finish with the Nationals, who are worse than the Marlins who the Braves finish with.
3: Yeah, I've, I've seen so much. It, the crazy, it's just crazy that a major league season's 162 games yeah and there's all this shit that happens all year long, and then you get to this point and you're game apart you know how 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 are you playing how did, I just never understand how it's this close you know for one sixty two but it seems like in you know in a week you can pick up two games it's not it's not that rare so yeah pretty easily for me if they if they if they take care of business against washington and 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 miami and then they have a good series against the Mets, there's no reason they can't win the division
1: right. Yeah, I mean it's still it's still up in the air. But uh it's a game. You know, That's gonna play, they're gonna play they're gonna pitch DeGrom and Scherzer both in that series and Bassett. Uh DeGrom is not he's not uh you know, he's not Sandy Koufax as we saw the other day in Oakland. He had a really bad start there, but uh he's still pretty formidable. And the Braves are gonna have yeah. a couple of really strong guys too, with Eric Wright. Uh or uh, Eric Wright. With Kyle Wright and Max Fried going in their series. Uh you know, Charlie hasn't pitched great lately, um, but in a big game, still like I still like the odds of him pitching a good, a good, having a good performance in a big game. So we'll see. This should be a great series. Hopefully, they get it in without without having to go to some neutral site or any of that crap.
3: Well, I'll say this: there's also there's twice as much pressure on the Mets at this point.
1: Oh yeah, they're feeling it.
3: Yeah, the, there's the risk of blowing it's a lot. A lot more pressure than the, you know, the the chance of you know maybe we can win this thing, maybe we can't. Doing it in New York and th- th- their stadium is going to be crazy. There there's going to be pressure. There's going to be questions. It could take one bad game to kind of derail things and and put them in a funk where guys start trying to do too much and trying too hard. Yeah,
1: and, and the other thing is the Braves are. I mean, obviously both teams want badly to win the division so that you avoid having to play a wild card series. The Braves. Are in a better position to withstand a wild card series. It will not be easy. Will not be an easy path going through the probably the Padres, then the Dodgers, and you go, you know, uh, then the Mets and the, and the LCS. If it works out that way, but um, the Braves are in a better position to withstand a best of three wild card series immediately before a division series than are yeah. the Mets because the Mets rely so heavily on those two starters. And the Braves have got a little more depth, especially in their bullpen. I mean, they can, you know, I think that they could withstand that a little better and a guy like Elder stepping up only helps in that regard, but uh I think they got a little better chance and, you know, you can't forget, Strider should be ready in the postseason, so you look at when you're looking at uh at free, Strider, Wright, Elder, Charlie Morton, the Mets don't have that kind of depth in their rotation.
3: No, and... <laughs> Man, it, for me, the, the big kicker is how, how Elder's been throwing, that if you happen to have a game that somebody bombs and you can just hand him the ball yeah. and let him eat six, you know, especially after you get past the first round and save your pen, because that's probably going to be one of the biggest challenges this postseason is bullpen depth. Teams yeah. do that. you know, They throw guys two innings. They throw guys extra back-to-back-to-back. Yeah. To back to back. They do these things in the postseason, but you can't do that the same this year because there's no guaranteed off day. You know, right. The, the games are stacked up tight. So if you have a guy that you, you can't wave the white flag, you know, if you're down three in the in the second or in your starter walks two and he just looks like shit. But if you could throw a guy like Elder in there and feel confident about it and he yep. gets rolling, you stay down for the whole game and he throws six innings to wrap it up. You've got a fully fresh pen for that next game. And it's huge versus having to piece together five innings and have, you know, a bunch of guys pitch that you don't want to.
1: And they've also got in their bullpen. They've got guys that can go multiple innings. Like Jackson Stevens had a huge game in Philly. That was that was encouraging to see that again from the Braves' yep. perspective. The huge two innings, and you got McHugh can go a couple of innings. You got Mentor that can go an inning and a third or inning, two thirds. Or uh, can do got, it. Yeah, you got a lot of guys that can do it. So they got some versatility and depth in that bullpen that the Mets don't have. So um, they could withstand that better than the Mets. Uh, I think the, if the Mets don't win the division, they know that it's going to be really rough for them to go through a wild card series. You could win that with Scherzer and and uh, and uh, Degrom, and Degrom, but then you're not going to have those guys for the first game or two of the uh, division series. So
3: yeah. you know and that's where your bullpen can get in trouble,
1: right? So I, I think the Braves know or the Mets know that they, they have more pressure because they know they have to win. They, it's going to be really rough for them to try, to, to not uh, to, to not get a first-round bye.
3: Yep. Yeah, so that's right. just added
2: pressure. A spectacular live room, as always. Thank you so much to those who turned out to the live room and interacted with David and Eric in real time on the Athletic app. Just a quick programming note on our way out. We'll be hosting another live room. It will be on Thursday. Time TBD. So make sure you are following David and Eric on Twitter at atl at EOF34. Make sure you're following the podcast on all podcasting platforms and also are subscribed to our YouTube channel, which you can find the link in the description. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And as we always say, 755 is real. We're out.